Hello, and welcome to my podcast. Um, I would like to start by saying that though I didn't find that this class fundamentally changed my pedagogical philosophies surrounding the teaching of English language arts, um, it did help me to reinforce my previously established beliefs and build a framework around which I can walk into a principal's office and say, here's my lesson and this is why. Now, of course, this is important for principals. Um, It's also important for parents as it allows you to look at your own lesson plans and break things down in a manner that is more concise and can often end up being simpler for the parent to look at and understand. Um, For example, one of my core beliefs is that is it important as students, as young people, for these students to find their voice in their writing. Um, This can be difficult for a classroom of well-established writers if they're young enough. However, um, it can be especially difficult if the classroom does not have a lot of well-established writers. Um, I have always appreciated the value of an oral narrative. So oftentimes this can actually bridge a gap for many of these students who are struggling. Ultimately, teachers should shift from traditional literary practices to instructions that are more based on multimodal assignments, where students can freely express themselves without being so constrained. Because when we're teaching our students to look for their voices, the goal isn't to merely have them speaking correctly. It's to have them find their own manner of speech. Um, Using my own lesson plan for indigenous storytelling as an example um, of how there are ways, multiple ways to engage these people or your students. um, One of one of the great ways you can do this is by having the students listen to an elder, an indigenous elder who will tell them stories about his people and their beliefs um, and asking the students afterwards because this is going to show the kind of affect that a story can have. Um, And ultimately what makes a story great is the way it makes you feel. And seeing this is going to help the students bridge that transition between what is written and what is spoken. After this, students will be able to write their own stories and in these stories their ultimate goal will be to present and to deliver their stories with affect to get the reader to feel a certain emotion now if a classroom doesn't have a lot of well-established writers um, this transition can be more difficult but because of that oral tradition this transition does get a little more simplified when you do include those oral narratives. And that is such a critical and important part of indigenous engagement because it's very authentic. Um, so, or as listen, li- Hello, and welcome to my podcast. Um, This is Dan Demert here. 
Um, and I would like to start by saying that I did not find that this class fundamentally challenged or changed my beliefs um, when it came to my pedagogical philosophies surrounding the teaching of English language arts. Um, this wasn't because the content was negative. It was because many of my beliefs had already aligned very well with the curriculum of the class. Um, however, this did have several major benefits. Um, it gave me a much better toolbox, ultimately. I feel now that I have a more complete way of coming to my students and being able to teach them. I also feel that I now have the theoretical backing and framework to go into a principal's office and say, hey, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I can critically defend this as well. So those are two major aspects of this class that I appreciate. Um, for example, one of my core beliefs is that it is important for students to find their voice. Um, if a classroom does not have a lot of well-established writers, this can be difficult. However, I have always appreciated the value of an oral narrative, um, and it is now cr as critical as ever for teachers to review their own educational foundations and become open to new methods of teaching. Teachers should shift away from traditionary literary practices to instructions more based in multi-modality, um, where texts can be represented in a variety of ways. Now, using my own lesson plan for indigenous storytelling as an example, um, there are many different ways that you can multimodally engage your students, and they don't all require a screen. Um, for example, I begin that unit by bringing in an elder to come in and tell the kids about their stories and their beliefs and what those stories might mean. Now, this is critical because the elder coming in presents the students with something that is important to their own storytelling. Affect. Affect is how they're going to make other people feel. So when you're searching for your voice, it is critical to find how you're going to affect people with it. Um, oftentimes, with these non-traditional literary sources, it can lead to the bridging of a gap because a lot of these students are are struggling not so much with the story, but with the diction, with the actual sitting down and reading and focusing on that content. Um, and oftentimes, engaging with these traditional non-literary or non-traditional literary sources can be such a great bridging of the gap. Um, or as Linda Christensen puts it, we can teach students to critically examine the relationship between language and power by looking at indigenous languages, colonialism, and language extinction, or linguistic profiling. And we can teach them to respect their home languages when we respond to their papers instead of marking errors in their narratives and essays. We can explain the difference between their home language and standard English. Oftentimes as educators, we can lose sight of just how intimidating it is to write a proper English paper. After four years, we've been desensitized to that kind of paper. <laughs> Ultimately, words written on a page are very different from a student's manner of speech in their home life. For many students, they're learning these rules for the first time regardless of whether they're ELA students or not. I know for one that when I entered middle school, I did not know any of the formal rules of English. 
Um, I've also always felt it is very critical that your lesson plan and your classwork must be a reflection of learner needs. Each student is going to have their own unique interests and skills that they bring to the table. Getting students who are struggling in a class or a class that is disinterested to engage can be extremely difficult. And this is why I've always felt it is critical to get students engaged with their texts outside of the classroom. Um, fundamentally, it just keeps their mind on education and on bettering themselves through this book. Um, so this reading not only includes reading, but rereading as well. So these students, in order to get them to read more than once, this class taught me a few very effective techniques, um, including, for example, the says-does game, where for the beginning the student says or briefly summarizes the content and then does the does part, which shifts students' attention from summary to more rhetorically inflected issues, allowing them to recognize the role of each paragraph in the text. So when you're able to break a text like that down, it enables the student to look at the book not as a colossal mountain, but as a series of hills. And these hills look a lot more manageable than a massive novel. Now, I, for one, always struggled in high school when I would get lost in a book. Um, this kind of coding and formatting into the text not only gives students something to review, it also enforces it into their mind because they need to read more than once to understand what each paragraph means and what how to summarize each thing. Um, ultimately, the goal is to lead to mindful reading. Um, mindful reading is not another type of reading that might... Er, Mindful reading is a framework that contains a range of reading strategies that students might be taught, such as the says-does approach, the doubting and believing game, but also other strategies such as rhetorical reading and reading like a writer. Within this framework, instructors choose, define, and teach reading strategies that they imagine will be most useful to students. I found the says does game to be incredibly useful because many of the texts that I would get lost in were Shakespeare and texts that use more difficult language as a barrier for the students. Um, ultimately, if I think that if a teacher had broken this down, I might have piqued my interest in English a little earlier. I also think that this kind of engagement frees up the classroom to a lot more fun activities. Um, for example, today I was at lunch with my friend Spencer Miller, and he suggested a roast as a lesson plan. Now, I know that this is highly unusual. Roasts are typically reserved for Comedy Central and well-deserved. However, if you take Hamlet and decide to give these students the opportunity to roast Hamlet, to flip through the pages and look for joke after joke, I... I can only imagine the kind of commitment that a 15 or 16 year old student would have because in order to make their jokes funny, they're going to need to critically engage with the text. And they're going to need to understand the text well enough to make those jokes. 
Additionally, 